Hey everybody, it's Sunday, March 30th, 2014. Hope you're having a great day. Today we're going to talk about engineering your own serendipity. Now that might sound a little bit metaphysical, but there is a method to today's madness with my guest and really good friend, uh, John Myers over at johnmyers.com. And before we get into it, I'll be in Singapore next week from April 4th to April 9th uh, doing a small listener meetup. Uh, it's also part of my visa run here in Vietnam. So uh, if you're in town, shoot me an email, uh, terry at billmyonlinestore.com. Would love to meet up and say hello. And also some updates from me on Ball of Leather. Uh, the first production run finally finished and I'm sending out some pre-orders in the next couple of weeks. So what I'm doing is I'm getting the pre-orders sent here to me in Vietnam rather than sending them to the US first and then having them being sent out. I think it would just take a lot longer. And I've been holding on to people's monies for a while, so I don't want to keep them waiting. And so the, one of the issues is that Vietnam is a very big export-driven country. So naturally, when I get a product made in China and I want to import it in here, even though I'm just sending it out right away, I'm getting hit by these taxes. So uh, it's kind of driving me nuts here. And I'll probably make a post about this uh, later on. So uh, what I'm doing is I'm going to include some handwritten thank you cards with all these orders before I send them out. Uh, I think I want to add a little personal touch uh, just to thank these guys for pre-ordering and uh, kind of supporting the whole business. So after that, I'll still interview the U.S. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out, but uh, hopefully it won't be too expensive. And that's just kind of another thing to deal with uh, as we go along. So that's about it for me uh, the latest updates. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Don't deliver a product, deliver an experience. You're listening to the Build My Online Store podcast, and I'm your host, Terry Lin. We're here to talk about running an online store and building a strong e-commerce brand to take your online store to the next level. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com. Let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today, I've got my good friend, John Myers here. Uh, we're here in Saigon. And we're going to talk about uh, engineering your own serendipity. So I don't have a title for this yet. Maybe by the time this episode's out, we'll have it. But uh, yeah, here we go. So what's up, John? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so let's go back to how we met. Because we haven't known each other for that long. I think we met in October, I think. Yeah, at uh, the Dynamite Circle event in Bangkok, which was pretty epic. Yeah, and I think one thing that kind of drew me to you was that you've been in this game much longer than, say, Dan and Ian, kind of how I started everything. You've been doing this for, what, 20 years or something? Uh, yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put you on the spot here. But Long time. What, what was your whole story in getting in the whole entrepreneurship thing? Um, to avoid real work. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I was probably unemployable from day one. And so for me, I always knew that an entrepreneurial path made the most sense. It also was the most uh, conducive to... My personal value system and and ethos, I yeah. guess. Because I know you were like a punk rocker guy, skater, yeah. kind of doing not normal things that quote life scripts that yeah. we all subscribe to, right? Yeah, I didn't want to work for the man, so I decided to become the man. Yeah, and so what do you do now? Uh, designer and startup guy. Uh, mm -hmm. I do a lot of contract work for startups mm -hmm. uh, for user interface design, uh, some government work in that realm as well. And I've done my own startups over the years, and I'm actually working on a new startup here in Saigon with local talent mm -hmm. uh, called Imperio. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about user interface, like for someone who's not technical, what's, what's this? Like UI, UX, you always talk about. Yeah. This. So, well, user experience design is, you know, how you're mapping out the user experience of your product. So for listeners out there with an e-commerce site, you know, it refers to, you know, how someone goes to your homepage, how do they think about you, how are they navigating through the site, you know, in general, that's the user experience. The user interface are the graphical controls. 
how those are organized on the screen to support the user. Hmm. So how did you become a designer in this whole space? Um, I started out uh, doing this. Um, I couldn't find anyone else to do what I wanted to do, so I just learned it myself. So I actually studied business and Chinese, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and and got into design because I wanted to be an artist, and then I was steered towards business school. So we're talking about artists as in, like, graffiti paintings or, like, what kind of artists? Yeah, kind of. Like, I used to, you know, silkscreen the uh, T-shirts for my bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, painted a lot. Uh, so I was really interested in those things, and then uh, thank God I didn't go down that path. <laughs> so I wouldn't have the life I have now, I don't think. Yeah. So how did you get into to user uh, interface experience because I think going from art to something that seems very technical is kind of like a very weird journey. Um, I, I was always really technically minded as well. So I have both sides of the, of my brain sort of working in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made sense to me. So when I really started down the path of user interface design, I was thinking about how banks were looking at financial information. <laughs> so um, I was looking at the, all the charts and graphs and, and whatnot, and I thought, well, you know, most of their employees probably play video games, and why don't business decision-making systems look more like a video game than these crappy charts and graphs? It's interesting. It's like, you remember these videos you used to watch when you were a kid? You have like a mat rat inside like a little maze, and you're, so you're actually like designing the maze, making people go through different tunnels and stuff. Too. Yeah, and you're trying to give them subtle suggestions without overtly stating something. And so, yeah. you know, that's a, the trick with design is, you know, just proximity can imply a relationship. Sometimes you don't want to imply a relationship. Sometimes you might want to imply something, but not an explicit relationship. So we got an example for this? This probably just threw some people off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can really go on a tangent. Um, I was designing some... Uh, software a year and a half ago uh, for people who are not biologists by training to to do some DNA analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, for example, may or may not want to imply a match. And so by having controls and results uh, in a certain way, uh, you could imply uh, results that don't exist. So if you're searching for a DNA match uh, amongst many records, um, then that could be a problem if you imply a false match. Yeah, how close a button is to the results, uh, how close um, multiple results are uh, to each other, the colors you choose to use might imply a relationship, uh, the thickness of the lines, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff to think about. Yeah, one thing that's interesting is that when I see you talk about this stuff in like an app or like a website or a software or like a product, you can really take this into your own life too, like purposely design things too because i think when i was younger i used to think like hey i'll just do what people tell me to do and then things should happen or quote you know until they happen they happen and then yeah i think you take a much more proactive role well with regards to the our topic which yeah. is uh engineering serendipity which means uh creating your own luck right and and um or whether it's design there's one thing that i always try to keep top of mind which is the psychological context so what's someone really thinking and feeling when they're going into an environment, uh, when they're going into your software, when they're going into your website? And what's the psychological context? Where are they coming from? You know, what are they thinking? Uh, what were they thinking about before that? Um, what time of day is it? You know, uh, what's their mood typically like? So you can kind of like engineer experiences, your own serendipity uh, and your products uh, when you're considering these contexts. Yeah. So let's, go, let's talk about this example you told me about. Um 
was it scotch and steaks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so listeners, if you guys haven't heard the story, you'll love it. I've heard it like 10 times, but <laughs> I got to share this with you. So what's the scotch and steaks thing you did once? Well, actually, uh, I'll, I'll rewind the tape even further. Okay. So my buddy and I, um, I was uh, stuck in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, that's where I went to school and have a lot of relationships. Um, and my mom got sick, so I had to go back there. And um, anyways, during that time I was back there taking care of her, I went to South by Southwest. And um, I was flying back uh, with my buddy on the plane, and I'm like, wow, you know, South by Southwest is pretty cool. A lot of people who normally never talk, talk. And that's part of the magic of that event. I was like, how could you recreate that on a micro scale? And so we came up with the idea of a free event called Taco Plus Beer, where we gave away free tacos and beer, just what it sounds like. And uh, what was pretty cool about that is, A, we were at the center of something. So we were the ones throwing the event. We just put our own money into it. But the real magic of that event was that we didn't plaster our names everywhere and announce that, hey, we're, you know, martyrs and, and that we're doing this big thing. Like, hey, I'm John. This is my event. Yeah, you didn't, didn't do any of that. No. It's completely under the radar. Yeah. And in fact, if anything, we, we um, shunned the spotlight for the reason that we wanted people who normally never talk to talk. So some of the results that came out of that were... You know, you had lawyers showing up who had an interest in startups and sort of DIY culture. Uh, you had, you know, coders, geeks, designers, you name it. And um, the first one we did attracted about 150 people. And when all was said and done, it got up to about 800 people when we shut it down. It was just getting out of hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, the beauty of it was, you know, like the mayor of the city got you know, started showing up. So I was asked to like sit on economic development commissions, uh, met VCs who were in town that were like, who are these guys throwing this, uh, hired talent. And, um, that was all from just sort of like being under the radar and connecting people who normally never talk. Mm -hmm. And so when you go back to like engineering your own serendipity, what went on in your mind back then? Because this sounds crazy just to have like free tacos and beers for people like that. I mean, you put your, how much money did you guys put in? Uh, we spent about a thousand dollars a month, <laughs> so we were pretty crazy. But yeah, it was expensive, man. Yeah, and like you guys just didn't know what was going to happen with this. You guys were just going on blind faith. Or? Yeah, pretty much. And I think that's the beauty of like uh, engineering serendipity is that you have to trust the force. You know, so it sounds very metaphysical and, mm -hmm. and new agey and and whatnot, but it's really not. Uh, you know, it's just kind of you have to have your antenna up. And be aware of opportunities as they're happening. And so that's part of the beauty of like really being in the moment is, you know, when you're engineering serendipity, you can kind of recognize something and go with it. Whereas like, you know, uh, often people will try to force their agenda or they're really out there like me, 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 me. But, you know, sometimes when you just kind of sit back and let things happen, that's when the magic really happens. Yeah. All right. So this event escalated into scotch and steaks where I kind of like jumped ahead. So yeah. this was in New York. What happened here? Well, so then... Um, it's pretty simple. At the time, a buddy of mine both had uh, girlfriends, and they did girls' night out on a Thursday night. And so we just started laughing. And we said, "What's a guy's night out look like?" You know, and so we were just joking, and we said, "Oh, it should be very manly, scotch and steak." And so that's what we did. And so we created this very on-the-fly event um, where guys got together for scotch and steak, and it 
turned into like 20, 30 guys at a time. We would just, you know, sort of storm a steak restaurant. And you guys had like a landing page? Like you guys went all out. Yeah, yeah, we went all out. I mean, that's, you know, my sort of like designer hat, you know, we threw up a, a quick little page and we had a questionnaire that said, you know, hey, have you ever been a vegetarian? And, and you know, please write an essay. <laughs> so we did have people asking us like how to get involved. We had uh, Morton Steakhouse contact us and they were like, you know, how, we, how can we win your business? You know, what are, type of demands can... You know, do you guys have? And I'm like, I never really thought about that. Free is nice, but yeah, they gave us uh, beef instruction, you know, table side at those events. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> one thing you mentioned kind of in passing there was keeping your antenna up as you're kind of going through life. Right? Yeah. So like, how did you develop your own antennas when you were younger? You know what? I, I probably not getting jaded. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time now and I still don't feel jaded. I never feel angry or I'm holding on to the past or holding on to something, you know. And I think when you're jaded, sometimes you think you know it all. And so I never think I know it all. I'm always, like, curious about stuff and, and kind of leaving my antenna up and just kind of being open. Um, whereas, you know, the older you get, the more disappointment you experience. Yeah, like you, you hear the phrase, you're like, oh, back in our day, yeah. like, we used to do things this way. Oh, know? yeah, man. And like, yeah, for me growing up, I grew up in a, a huge countercultural scene that's a big part of my outlook, which was, you know, that sort of like punk rock, DIY, skateboarding ethics. Um, but I don't hold on to that moment in time. Like some of my friends still do, and it seems weird to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> those were my best days. Yeah. No, I, I think it comes down to how comfortable you are with change too right? in some ways like yeah. i think some people who just don't have that maybe risk tolerance or mindset level they just rather stay in their little yeah there. yeah i think and, and the iron, irony is is that things change really fast you know so um you can't control change uh, often you can sort of influence change uh, but you can't always control it yeah because going back to what i was saying it was like when i was younger i would expect things to happen to me like you wait for that next job you wait for that next client when actually just it, it doesn't work like that yeah and see i'm probably one of the most impatient people on the planet yeah. <laughs> you've seen me in action you know like i uh if i'm somewhere if i'm waiting on something i'll just get up and do it excuse me do it myself and so i think that's the big thing is like not waiting you know where you're just kind of out there and you take things into your own hands and and make it happen yeah so what's the mindset for that like when you want to make something happen how do you think through things before taking you take action um it depends i mean i we've talked about this before i really try to focus on what actions i'm taking have the highest impact on my life for example living in saigon uh versus like living back in new york or somewhere like that Mm -hmm. right so i sort of calculate in my head how long it takes me to walk to the train and go somewhere (laughs) so i'm like this has a direct impact on my life all right this is a 20 minute episode times five all right we've got 100 minutes of my life dedicated to this and you know here in saigon i that's a five minute episode so Mm -hmm. i'm shaving off this much time it's just probably part of my mental model you know and and that's the thing about your mental model so when you're going through this process of like breaking it down it's never one way of knowing things. I think that's the beauty, mm-hmm. you know. So you really want to adapt to the situation and try to come up with a framework mm-hmm. that makes the most sense um, for that moment in time. And that's the thing I've learned, too, with building businesses and, and uh, doing design work even. You know, I take each project very differently. You know, I have a certain base framework that I work with, but, um, you know, generally when I'm assessing, you know, what's going to have the most impact it always depends. You know, my calculus is always different. 
Yeah, you had a good phrase. I think marketing's either impact or what was it? Uh, remind me of this. Oh, uh, probably scale or impact. Scale or impact. Yeah. What yeah. was what, what was this? Well, sort of business is like that as well, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, those of us that are building more ambitious businesses, where we're not building lifestyle businesses, you, we usually shoot for either scale or impact. And so, scale means you're marketing to a large number of people, a very large audience. And impact is marketing to a small audience with a high dollar, high impact item. It's usually either one of those two things if you're really trying to make big money and and have an impact overall. Yeah. So we talked about something earlier about called uh, empathy. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you develop this over time? What was your approach to getting um, the skill set? For me, the world around me sparkles and is always saying something. Yeah. So you've heard me say that. I'm like, what are they saying? And I'll be looking at a bottle. <laughs> you know, so I'll look at the uh, the typeface on the bottle. And I'm like, what are they really trying to say? So everything around you is saying something. You yeah. know, it has an intention, uh, either intentional or implied. To me, it's asking that question is, you know, what are they really saying? Uh, what are they trying to say? Uh, or are they trying not to say anything? Yeah. And so, for example, in design... Uh, it can be as simple as how someone, you know, you're at a restaurant and how they place the cup on your table. So here in Asia, you know, that exercise of just a server putting a glass on your table is expressed with a lot of intention. And they're saying something. Hey, <laughs> Got to order something. Yeah. Or, so, or, or uh, for example, they might be consider- considering the ergonomics of your seating situation. So that's empathy, right? So they're considering the fact that I have longer arms, and so they're gonna they're gonna put that glass a little bit further out, so it's in it, it's in within a scope of reach that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's anticipating that, and that's just uh, you know it's always sort of like just really thinking through the mechanics of what you, your actions are unleashing. So in the action of you know placing a glass down on the table, that's unleashing something else where someone's consuming that. Yeah, I think we take this in like a e-commerce thing just to keep things in perspective it's like um, how are you reducing the friction in some ways too when you think about how a customer lands on your site what are they clicking what are they looking at and how do they go through every product page and things like that too yeah so in the context of e-commerce you know I mean we talk a lot about you know optimization conversion and so obviously images of people sell better so that allows the visitor to form an empathetic connection to your brand you know that a picture of a person there's just you know, like you said, the considerations around the sign-up process or the payment process on your site, you know, if there's a lot of friction, then that's not too considerate. What you're saying is that you're difficult. <laughs> so, yeah. Even though you may not know it, it's implied uh, by your actions, which is also by your design. Yeah. You may not even know. Right? Yeah, that's right. Like You had a good story one time, I think, you were talking about about how I think you got pulled over by a cop here and he ended up <laughs> escorting you around the city. So tell, tell us this story. Uh, really that, was, that was pretty funny. Um, I was uh, outside of town on my motorbike here in Saigon. Um, I don't ride with a license. Wouldn't suggest anyone else does that. That's my choice. Uh, it just takes too long to get a license here. So I choose not to ride with one. And so I was riding up a bridge that was for cars only. And like an idiot, I was already on there. It was too late. And so I see in my rearview mirror on my motorbike, a cop, you know, tailing up behind me, a motorbike, a motorcycle cop. And so he pulls me over. And there, there's two, two words that I know that most people here know. One is the word boss, because it's such a hierarchical sort of authority driven culture. It's like a lot of respect. 
Yeah, when you call someone the boss, that means business. And the other word that they know is help. So I figured I would defer authority and play the victim here. So <laughs> he came over and... Uh, but you, before you sized him up first. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. What was that like? You know, I could just tell because he was a taller guy. You can. One thing I always pay attention to is people's body posture. Mm-hmm. So I'm a poker player too. So I like to watch people's body posture because that's saying a lot about how that person thinks and feels. Um, so he had really strong body posture. His shoulders were rolled back and, and uh, you know, you could tell he's a very proud guy. So I was like, all right, this is a proud guy I'm dealing with. So I've got to defer to authority. Because if you go up against him, he'll just smack you down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what I did do, and um, this is an alpha male move to another alpha male, is I put my arm around his shoulder instantly. But I called him boss first. So it was like kind of a, like a subtle alpha male. <laughs> and I said, help. And, and so he understood that word. And he just started laughing. He was like, who's this guy? Who's this guy that thinks he's my friend? Yeah. Patting me on the shoulder. Yeah, just patting him on the shoulder, being friendly and big smile. And uh, he ended up giving me an escort back, to, uh, back into the city, which if anybody that's lived here... Getting away from the police and not paying a bribe is a pretty big deal. So, yeah, that was uh, that was one. And and then I was pulled over another time here on my motorbike, which uh, I had like a uh, it was like a shakedown spot. There was no way I was getting out of getting paid, and so I feigned stomach illness. And uh, <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and ended up getting out of that situation. But yeah. And are, are you actually proactively thinking these things or this on the fly? Or I'm usually sizing up right away. Mm-hmm. I think as a, I, I mean, given my craft and what I'm really interested in, um, I'm really interested in like personal presentation, uh, design, sizing up stuff as quickly as possible. Yeah. Awesome. And you also had another story where you were in New York. Uh, I think you were selling your stuff and you had like this random question mark bag. Well, there's the book Influenced by Robert Cialdini. Yeah. And so uh, I thought, what if I tried to employ the six laws of influence into selling my stuff on Craigslist as quickly as possible? So, so with the mystery bag, what I did there, um, I, I tried to size up who I thought would buy different products. So I had this Ikea table and chairs. It was green, white tabletop. And I thought, well, that's more of a feminine product. Guys aren't going to buy that. So... I had this silk bag that I had picked up in Nepal, and I had these items from Nepal I had picked up. And so (laughs) I decided to take a picture of it, and then I wrote a headline that said, you know, IKEA table and chairs uh, for sale with a silk Nepalese bag with mystery items. And so (laughs) then in the description, uh, I had all that, and I said, if you purchase this, then these items will be revealed to you. You'll get it along with the purchase. And so I sold that, I think, in 20 minutes. It went up fast. <laughs> I was like, got a phone call. And sure enough, um, you know, that one went out pretty quick because that, that idea of mystery was interesting. Uh, when I sold my sofa on there, I experimented with scarcity. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did that one. I had a table and chair, or I'm sorry, a, a black Aeron chair that I figured more geek guys would buy, geeks like me. And so um, I had an old sort of like giant Darth Vader figure that was dismembered. And so I said, uh, air on chair for sale with dismembered Darth Vader figure. And so I figured I just had the pieces in the chair that would get the guys going. And it did. It's so pretty fast. So, yeah, you can experiment with that stuff. It's fun. 
Yeah, also, and, and the crazy thing is, too, is that these stories sound like, I think for like the normal person, like, you don't meet people like you who do crazy stuff like this. I'm always doing, I'm, I'm still squirrely. I'm always joking around here. You know? yeah. So, we talk about, you know, going back to the topic, engineering, serendipity, these are all situations where you kind of, in your head, size people up a situation up and then you by design of what you did you got a certain outcome that you, yeah. know, you wanted to get at too right yeah. so for someone who's kind of new to this thing maybe they just quit their jobs they're new entrepreneurs like what would you say to them if they want to like engineer situations for themselves like yourself well I, I think the number one thing is you have to get out of your house um, and so for me um, for example when I first came to Vietnam two years ago there wasn't really anybody in our scene here it was uh, it was uh, you had to get out and make it happen and so if you've just quit your job, if you're trying to embark upon your own entrepreneurial journey, then you absolutely have to be in the center of somewhere around other people and doing this. And you have to insert yourself into those situations constantly. You can't do it on your own, you know, behind your laptop in your house. It won't happen. Mm. Just won't happen. You've got to be in the center of where other like-minded people are around doing this. And that means going to coffee shops. You know, so, if, you know, if you're if you're you guys out there, you know, thinking about what to do, that's really simple. Just inserting yourself into different places all the time, going to the coffee shop, working, um, taking an interest in those around you, observing. Yeah. Events are kind of obvious. I, I don't always get a ton of value out of those kind of events. Personally, I'm more of a one on one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting out and, and you have to get out of your home. Yeah. So how do you decide? Which area to go to? Because I think, say you're like, you know, I go to Medellin or Saigon or New York. How do you decide between locations for someone to insert themselves? Um, You know, what's funny is I've noticed, I mean, I've been to probably 25 countries now, I guess. I've been all over the place. And and there's always like the lower east side of Blas City. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always that. I'm more of like a downtown kind of guy uh, in New York. So, you know, I always look for those kind of scenes where they're like, there's a little bit of refinement. There's a little bit of art and grit. And I think those kind of places exist in cities. So we're here mainly talking about cities, you know. Yeah. And, and um, if you're in a city, I believe you absolutely have to insert yourself in the center of the city if you want to get the full benefit. You can't put yourself 10, 20 minutes outside of the city and expect to get the full value because you end up making excuses for not going out, stay at home more. Um, and so finding those places in cities, I think, I don't, I don't think it's that hard. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm making it sound too easy. Yeah. So one thing is that once you insert into a place, and this might sound a little shallow, but how do you decide who you want to hang out with? Because I know you don't hang out with everyone. Like you kind of have a filter of your social circle like yeah. how, how do you go through that because I think like like Jim Rose you're the average of the five people yeah. you surround yourself with so what goes on in your head um, I, you know I, I talk to everybody so I try to talk to everybody uh, but then I think you have pretty normal for most people I think yeah. you know you have your, your sort of outer circle and your inner circles so your inner circle you kind of keep more tight private there's some people that I think have aligned value systems and, and think in a way that's going to challenge me um, so I don't want to be around a bunch of people who are like, oh, yeah, you're great. Everything's great. You know, I like to be challenged. And so typically the people that are in my tight circle, we all really are rough on each other. <laughs> you know, we're really kind of rough. Yeah, I think the hard part is that say you're still at a job or whatever, like your inner circle is not doing the same thing you are. Yeah. So that makes it like so much harder to do 
whatever you want to do too. Oh well, yeah. It's like being in a secret society, you know, or it's like being Amish. <laughs> yeah. Like you kind of, you kind of have to leave the house and make a decision whether or not you want to go back to that lifestyle. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like when I left, I pretty much had to find new friends here and like yeah. the old friends in Taiwan. Like, I mean, we still talk, but it's like, there's nothing really in common now. Yeah. And maybe for them, they're like, hey, who is this Terry guy to think he can just walk away from us? But yeah. I think sometimes you just need to be like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I think, I think it's part of life. I think everybody goes through a shedding process. Yeah. And so I think it, the shedding process is much more dramatic for those that start an entrepreneurial journey. So that shedding process is really rough because you're just basically breaking off with what you know. Uh, it happens a lot faster, too. Oh, yeah. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. You know, you just kind of rip it off and and you just got to take the pain. Um, But then, you know, you have family that's going to be on top of you, um, you know, questioning that decision. It's not easy. But the shedding process, I've I've gone through my own shedding process, too, like over the years. But now it's pretty consistent. You know, for the last 10 years, I guess most of my friends have been entrepreneurs or entrepreneurially inclined in some way. Say like we find a group of people we want to hang out with. Like, what else can we do to you know put ourselves in good situations besides you know hanging out? And... Well, you can create the situation yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's what I tend to try to do. So I I find places that I like and I put out the the beacon and say, hey, show up. <laughs> so that's you know sometimes like with our hangouts here, even you know yeah. I just find a place I like and I'm like, all right, let's go, um, let's show up here. So. You know, you can create the you can create the scene, or you can be a part of the scene. Yeah. So one thing that we had a chat the other day with Michael Covello is that like you do these little things, but you never know what comes back, right? So what's your mindset when you do these little get-togethers and things? Um, I don't really have any real intention. I think anything that happens that is sort of like business or gain related is just a bonus. Um, I throw a lot of seeds out there, so I just just plant a lot of seeds, and most of them don't ever grow into anything, but every now and then something does. Yeah. And so I think if you have the mindset of planting a lot of seeds without any real intention, sometimes that's the better way. It helps you keep, stay more authentic. The more you can stay authentic, the better, yeah. you know, and, and, and just kind of be yourself. If you're out there pimping something constantly, um, then it's going to come off shallow. Yeah. Cause like, I just imagine the guy in New York now that has his own store, but you know, he doesn't have people to hang with. Like, you just go to meetup.com and just start organizing things on your own. Yeah, you could. Throw out a re- uh, something on Reddit, you know. This is something I did in, in Taiwan when I landed there. I just said, hey, who's around? Um, and put up a Reddit. And got to know people that way. So you can kind of do it yourself. Um, you can do it in a calculated way, in a loose way. I tend to shun any kind of traditional networking stuff. The word networking kind of makes me convulse. I don't yeah. like the word network. Yeah. I realize that these networking events, like 90% of the people that go there are not people you want to network with. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just pretty mindless. You're just usually swapping business cards without yeah. any real intention. Or you know, I think I think the way we sort of roll in general here is that we like authentic conversation. Yeah. So we'll talk about books, business, yeah. life, sports. Whatever. Yeah, and that's the beauty of sort of this this movement and this entrepreneurial lifestyle is that, you know, it all for us it's all the same. So talking about a paleo diet or CrossFit or mindset or 
or Siltep to make you more productive or whatever it is. Yeah. That's all the same for us. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Even like when we talk about stand-up comedy and like Joey Diaz, it's just a lot of mindset stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think for the listeners out there, I think, you know, so the, the topic was engineering your own serendipity. And so it boils down to, you know, keeping that antenna up, which means the way you keep your antenna up is by being a constant consumer of information but we're both consumers and producers, right? But, yeah. you know, one way I keep my antenna up constantly is I'm constantly consuming information and then trying to draw relationships into the real world that I'm seeing out there. Yeah. So keeping that antenna up is a big one. Um, recognizing someone, you know, really paying attention to everyone around you is a big one. I yeah. really try to pay attention to everybody, whether it's the staff that's in our buildings or whether it's the staff in a restaurant or wherever. I, it doesn't matter. I try to pay attention to every everyone around me. Yeah, I think we had this chat before too. Is like if you look at how someone posts and like the forums, like the way they cap, if they capitalize the I, do they use both yeah. face? Oh yeah. size, you can tell so much about them. Like how the grammar. Oh yeah. 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 So really keeping that antenna up is a big one um, because then you're going to see opportunities. And really, when you're engineering your own serendipity, I would say the biggest. The biggest way I've done that is by connecting other people, not connecting them to myself. So when your antenna's up and you sort of know, I know that you're really into e-commerce and I know so-and-so has a really killer e-commerce store, you're always top of mind. Mm -hmm. So if you always keep others top of mind in, in terms of like connecting them and offering them some sort of value, it always comes back to you. Like yeah. that's really a key component of like engineering that serendipity is like just connecting people, you know, outside of yourself. Because um, if you're just harping your own stuff, like at some point, no one's gonna listen to you. Right? No, you're gonna be like a guy on a corner with a trench coat with watches. Yeah. <laughs> like you know who does this well? I think uh, if you follow like Jody Enneberg on Twitter, she's at like Legal Nomads. Like yeah. the articles she promotes, yeah, it's like they're never hers. They're always like some astronomy thing or like yeah, it's interesting. It's a very interesting thing like she posts on her feeds. And yeah. Then, I think when you look at that angle, oh, it's actually kind of valuable to follow someone like that. And then, yeah, and, and I think it, it comes off more authentic. Um, and then the last thing I would say, you know, so we, we said, um, you know, keeping your antenna up, connecting people. Third one is, I would say, inserting yourself into uncomfortable situations at times. Mm -hmm. So us that are traveling in this lifestyle, it's very uncomfortable at first when you're settling into a place. So making yourself uncomfortable really helps keep your antenna up as well. Yeah. So what do you do that makes yourself uncomfortable now then? Um, I'm getting too comfortable here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, here there's always an opportunity to be uncomfortable. I work with a lot of local entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and our team here, uh, we're working on a startup, so our team's here. So there are plenty of opportunities for uncomfortable situations. Uh, sometimes having uncomfortable conversations is a good one. Like really sensitive topics. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that can really unlock stuff and sometimes it can put you in a bad situation but yeah yeah it's like sometimes i'll do i'll just like when i walk somewhere and i get too comfortable I'll just take a different route yeah just to like freshen things up yeah exactly yeah. i'll do the same i mean i'll ride on my bike here and i'll go into a different district different restaurant but yeah the key point we're talking about is that these things might sound really meta like like why are these guys talking about yeah. weird things that like just going out there but i think it adds up over time right when you look at myself a year ago rather than right now you look at yourself 10 years ago like uh. just the trajectory it's like the airplane that goes off course one percent over 10 years 10 hours it's like well and i, and I think if i look back at my business career you know every business breakthrough 
can be attributed to something extremely serendipitous, um, uh, highly, highly serendipitous situations. You know, the fact that my mom got cancer and I had to go back to Columbus, Ohio from New York. And then I ended up meeting this whole bunch of people there. And I was sitting in a coffee shop, actually, where I, I met one guy that unlocked another person and unlocked another person that, you know, some of those guys are my best friends now. Mm-hmm. So you never know. But and that's kind of the beauty of it, too, because yeah. it's almost scary, but it's also beautiful at the same time. Because when it comes, you go, like, oh, wow, like, yeah, did I make that myself or is that meant to happen? Or like, Yeah, and I think you see the opportunities. If you see something, then really hitting the gas and going right right at that moment that's the the key i'm really impatient so if i see something i jump on it right then and there i don't think twice awesome well i think it's just time to jump over to the office get a little shisha and drink. <laughs> sounds good man <laughs> so where can we find you online uh just uh johnmyers.com i'm in the process of revamping that I swear terry knows of what i'm up to yeah. and then uh hit me on twitter that's probably the best place um yeah just at John Myers, which is J-O-N-M-Y-E-R-S. Yeah, and I think preview, you might have a podcast soon. Uh, yeah, there's a rumor. There's a rumor. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. You guys can check out more about John. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Usually he's there more. Uh, otherwise, johnmyers.com. And we'll see you guys next week. All right, thanks, listeners. All right, sweet. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.